it up here in Joshua chapter 3. I'll hurry through some of this material, but I want to give you some really, uh, I think, very applicable points for your family and for your Christian life today. Because all of us have Jordans we have to, fight, we have to cross. We've got to get across it. Uh, and uh, they represent some, some difficult things in our life that only God is going to get you across. Joshua 3.1. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and the priest and the Levites bearing it, that ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Now look in verse number 14. And it came to pass when the people removed their tents from their tents to pass over Jordan, that the, and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as they bear the Ark were come uh, unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped into the brim of the waters. Look at the phrase here. For the Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of the harvest. But the waters came which came down from above, stood and rose up and heaped very far from the city of Adam and is besides Zertan. And there rose, and rather, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and they were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. You pray with me and for me uh, this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you for the testimony that we heard. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your recovery, the work of redemption, Lord, and salvation, but Lord, recovering those that have been taken captive by Satan, uh, Lord, and uh, by, by him at his will. And we have seen your recovery, Lord, and working people to acknowledging truth and recovering. I thank you, Lord, for that. And Lord, many here this morning are saying, by God's grace, they've been recovered They've been saved and they've been brought back. And I thank you for that. And I pray you bless as we look at this very important lesson today that we leave here different than we came. The truth would find a good place in our heart today that, Lord, the ground of our heart would be ready to receive the word of your, your word, Lord, and help us this morning, leaving here different than we came uh, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's no way, man. There's no way they're getting across this. Jordan River is usually about 100 feet across. It's estimated that Jordan at this time of the year during the harvest was every bit of a mile across. And the water was flowing pretty heavy. It goes from Galilee up in the northern part of Israel, flows down between present-day Jordan today and Israel, and dumps into the Dead Sea, the Salt Sea, uh, about 100 or rather 900 feet below sea level. So this is most likely about 50 times wider than it normally is. No way across without the help of God. And I would say this morning on applying it to our lives today, there are things that you are going to face that there is no way across without God's help. No way across. You can look at that thing. You can, you can ponder it. You can try to dig across. You can try to build a bridge across. But you're not going to get across without God's help. And there are obstacles in your life. And sometimes these obstacles are paralyzing. You're not getting across, and many times, unfortunately, there are some believers that just find themselves sort of paralyzed in even going any further in their Christian life because of a Jordan. 
but they keep you from victory. It may be this morning that you have a stubborn, besetting sin that just is always besetting you. The Bible talks about that in the book of Hebrews. About the time you want to get victory, that besetting sin pulls you back. That word beset pulls you back. It may be some sin that uh, you've had since your youth and you just can't seem to get victory over it. Whatever it is, it's an obstacle. It may be someone that is a person, a personality, uh, someone that is in your life that is an obstacle to your victory and to your moving forward with the Lord. It may be a group of people. This is an interesting thought. It may be something behind you. The obstacle in front of you may be something behind you, maybe something that you've done in your past that you can't forgive yourself over. You think of the Apostle Paul as the Apostle Paul had to deal with an obstacle of his past. He's not going any further until he does something with the past. And he said that he had to forget the things that he'd done before and press toward the mark, the prize of the high calling of God. So I want to remind us that God who specializes in getting us across the Jordans, he gets us across. He helps us across. He gives us instructions to get across these areas in our life. Now, you remember this is about 3,000 years ago. And the same God that got three and a half million people across the Jordan River in the time of the harvest on dry ground is the same God that can perform that kind of miracle today, no matter what it is. We, we had a prayer meeting last night here. We had a heritage prayer meeting. And I appreciate people that come out and pray for the children, praying for the grandchildren. And I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, there are some impossible cases that we bring before the throne of grace. But I got to believe that God can still work miracles today in an impossible situation. There's no way God can do it. Yes, he can. Let's not limit as the children of Israel did, limit the Holy One of Israel as they were guilty of doing. So how do I do this? Here's what we want to say real quick when people have obstacles. We say something like this. Just get over it. That's such a trite statement, isn't it? Someone has a tragedy. Someone has a loss. Someone has something they're dealing with. Just get over it. Well, in a sense, it's a true statement. But the question is, how do I get over it? How do I get over it, Jordan? How do I do this? I've got a mile of water that's raging that there's no way I'm going to get across this thing without help. Number one, how to get across your Jordan. Number one, it does involve a challenge. If you look in verse number three, the Bible says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, look at the phrase here, then ye shall remove from your place. Now look at this last four words, and go after it, okay? Then if you would, in verse number four, Uh, it makes a statement at the end of verse number four, for ye have not passed this way hither for, hither to for. In other words, you're not going to know where to go unless you can follow the Ark of the Covenant. Now, as you know, the, the Ark of the Covenant is sort of a chest that was overlaid with gold. And on top of this chest of gold, it was a mercy seat that was also overlaid with gold. And on each side of the mercy seat, they were instructed to put cherubims, golden cherubims with wings stretched out, looking down into the mercy seat. This is not just any normal piece of furniture. This is the very place that God chose to meet Israel uh, yearly uh, on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And this 
Ark of the Covenant were, was to be placed in a holy place, the most holy place in the tabernacle. There's two sections of the tabernacle where the priest would come in and they would offer the blood upon that uh, mercy seat and they would go behind the veil of the temple or the tabernacle. They go inside this holy of holies and inside that dark room was the Shekinah glory of God that the Hebrews talk about. Uh, the glory of God, the light of God in his presence in that place. Now, this is not just any location. This is a place that God says, I will meet you here. I will be here. I will be at this location. It's a geographical location. And by the way, this place here was something very special to the Jewish people. And it was an ark mentioned here several times in this passage as they were instructed to go after it. In other words, don't go ahead of it. Go after it. Don't go ahead of God. Come after God. That's in verse number three, the idea. Now, I would say this in verse number four. The reason why you go after God is because you don't know where to go unless you follow God. That's what it says. Look in verse number four. Yet there should be a space between you and it. About 2,000 cubits by measure. Look at the colon here. Come not near unto it that ye may know the way by which ye must go. You've got to let God lead you. In other words, you're not, don't get ahead of him. Stay right behind him and watch where God is leading. And I want to say this because that phrase right there is interesting. They've never been here before. They've never been here. They never, they never crossed the Jordan River. They have never crossed something like this other than maybe the Red Sea 40 years before this. But here they're at a Jordan River. The whole generation that lived in the wilderness has now died in the wilderness. Now the children are being raised up. They're faced with a huge obstacle. And they've not been this way before. And I would say there are times in this life that nothing that you've ever experienced could prepare you for what you're about to go into. Nothing. I've sat beside people that have Watch their homes burning to the ground. Watching as everything that they own is gone and, and even a loved one perishing inside a home. I've been there when I had to notify of a, a widower that his wife was just killed. And nothing that he has ever been through in life was able to prepare him for that news. Losing everything. An untimely death. Financial disaster. But in those times when you're looking out at the muddy river of Jordan flowing, overflowing its banks and you're needing to get across that river, you need to know that God wants you to follow him. So number one, watch this. And I'm not trying to be trite, but I'm going to apply it in the New Testament dispensation. Watch this. We need to watch God. Watch God. In verse 7, rather, in verse 3, when you see the ark. In fact, the, the Bible in this passage references the ark of the covenant seven different times. And as I mentioned, this is the place that God would meet Israel. It was the place that God would say, I want to uh, be with my people. I want to meet with my people. And inside this very interesting place uh, is the, uh, the Aaron's rod that budded a copy of the uh, tables of, of the commandments inside that Ark of the Covenant. It is a huge piece of Israel's history. And they're to follow it. They're to follow God. Valuable. 
valuable lesson for us today. In these times of crises, when we go through times we don't know where God is and we need direction in our life and be sensitive to the movement of God and following him. Watch God. Watch him. I mentioned this a couple of months ago, maybe a year ago. Time goes by so fast. But I remember I was sitting down with Roy DeVore and we were in the diagnostic center at the Blanchard Valley Hospital. And uh, he was uh, fearful, very concerned that his cancer had returned and him and his wife were sitting there in the lobby there. And, uh, and he's uh, sort of a man's man. He always had a toothpick in his mouth and he was a brick mason for, uh, for many years and just tough as nails. Uh, we became good friends and, uh, and he would just tell it like it is. Roy was just Roy. And uh, I loved him and he loved me. And I remember getting there and, and, uh, and just kind of sitting. And he was already nervous. He, was, he had his, a, a tissue in his hand. He was kind of fidgety. And his wife was like looking at me. And, and I'm like, Roy, how you doing? And Rosie's looking at me like, Oof. And, uh, and I'm not doing good, Pastor. I'm, I'm really, be honest with you, I'm really scared. Uh, going into this diet, what if I have cancer? And he started going through. Well, on the right-hand side, there was a lady uh, that was sitting there, and she had a beautiful little hat on, and she was knitting, and a black lady, and she was kind of sort of knitting. And, and in the middle of his com- uh, complaining, if you would, of, of what he had to go into, she just stopped, and she goes, mm-hmm, and just kept on. <laughs> and it was loud enough to where both of us looked over there, and, just, and he resumed his... Uh, his fear, and he says, yeah, he says, I, I, I think I have it, I, I think it's back, and I'm going to go back into this, I know they're going to find something, and what happens to Rosie, and another, mm-hmm, it was about three or four times, finally, we both look at her and say, ma'am, uh, do we know you? <laughs> no, but eyes knows you're God, and you okay, he says, and she said, he God. You don't need to worry about. And Roy just, those words that she spoke to him, he God. You don't need to worry about anything. He's got this. And I thought to myself, they became very good friends. Her name was Virginia. And she's from Falstoria. Sweet, sweet lady. Became a dear friend of Roy DeVore and Rosie. Why? He's God. Go after him. He's God. And do you realize that God wants you to follow him? During those times. In fact, you'll find here that phrase in last part of verse number three. Go after it. Go after it. In other words, you go after God. Israel was about to follow the ark of God through one of the biggest trials and obstacles of their history. God had to go first. We sing the song down in the valley with my savior. I will go where the flowers are blooming and the sweet waters flow. Everywhere he leads me, I will follow, follow on, walking in his footsteps to the crown of B1. Down in the valley with my Savior, I will go where the storms are sweeping and the dark waters flow. With his hand to lead me, I will never, never fear. Danger cannot fright me if my Lord is near. Down in the valley on upon the mountain steep, close beside my Savior, Will my soul ever keep? He will lead me safely in the path that he has trod up where they gather on the hills of God. Follow, follow. I will follow Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, watch this. The first thing we need to do is watch God. Number two, we need to follow him. Let him go ahead of you. Follow 
God. Number three, look at verse number four. And yet there shall be a space between you and it. About, watch this phrase, 2,000 cubits by measure, about 3,000 feet. So here's a very interesting thought. The Ark of the Covenant is not something you just look into. The kids don't play with the Ark of the Covenant. Are you all here? It's not a box you just put in there and just throw darts at. In fact, when you study the movement of the Ark of the Covenant, um, there are some people that misuse that Ark. There is a city by the name of Beth Shemesh that actually looked into the Ark of the Covenant. The men of the city did when it came into that city and 55,000 people were killed. Are you all here? It, it is not something you even touch. The, the, remember Uzzah studied the Ark and God killed him. Remember when it went into the camp of the Philistines and Dagon and the Emrods and all that came into that camp. Listen, it's not something you just touch. It's not something you look at. It is so, it's a piece of furniture that is covered. And only one priest, one time a year, was able to go into the Holy of Holies for the atonement of Israel for another year. This is a sacred piece of furniture. So can I say this in our Jordans that are flowing heavy? Watch this. You've got to watch God. You've got to follow God. But you, number three, listen to this, because this goes against the cultural understanding of who Christ is today. Because he's not just some cosmic buddy that you come and play tag with. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is a holy God. So number three, we need to then honor God. Ladies and gentlemen, he says, I want you to stay back 3,000 feet, 2,000 cubits. Do not come closer than that. Now, I don't know about you. I would not have been, uh, uh, you know, estimating that. I would be getting a tape measure out. You all here? And there's a lesson for us, and there's always been and should be, by God's people, a holy reverence of God. Well, we honor him, that we understand that he's a holy God. That he's not just someone that's going to sit down as many of the charismatics today try to produce a Jesus that just wants to sit down and have a beer with you. You're going to hear that kind of stuff. I'm saying we serve a holy God. And yes, there was 100% humanity in Christ. But yes, there was 100% God. He is a holy God. And God's people understand that in the day that we're living, the Bible says destruction and misery are in their way and the way of peace they have not known, describing the, the, the sin-cursed condition of humanity. The Bible says there is no fear of God before their eyes. And that's where we're at today. We need to fear God. So there needs to be in our Jordans, if you would, a following, a, if you would, a, a, a after God and watching God. But there needs to be a holy reverence for who he is. Now, simply put, when you put all that together, you can clearly see that God wants you to follow. And he wants to lead you. Look at this thought here. John chapter 16, quickly, keep your finger there and go to the New Testament. Look how this applies to us. John 16, John chapter 16, and we'll pick it up in verse number 12. John 16, 12. For some reason, the Holy Spirit parked me on verse number 12 this morning. I wasn't going to say this in the nine o'clock hour, but it does seem to really fit in where we're at today. Verse 12. 
I have, Jesus speaking here, I have yet many things to say unto you. Now look at the phrase here in verse 12, John 6, 16 rather, John 16. Am I in John 16? Are you there? Okay. All right, we're all there together. But ye cannot, watch this, bear them right, uh, rather, bear them now. In other words, there are some things that you need to know, but you just can't handle it. You just, you're not able to receive some things now. You cannot, and the word bear now. It's going to be tough, he says, but I can't tell you everything. You can't bear it right now. And let me just say this, guys, when you are told to watch your children and their babies and your wife tells you what to feed them, don't get a steak dinner and try and put it in a two-month-old's mouth. It doesn't work. Are you all with me? I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, there's some things, there's some meat that we can't handle right now that you have to wait. And Jesus said, I'm going to give you something that you're not able to handle right now. But there's a conjunction. How be it in verse 13? How be it when he, the spirit of truth is come. He, look at this phrase here. He will guide you into what? All truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, he shall speak. And he will show you things to come. Ladies and gentlemen, can I say this? You'll find the phrase, walk in the spirit Following the Spirit, led of the Spirit, forbidden of the Spirit. Can we just say this? All through the New Testament, we find the Holy Spirit guiding, if you would, his people. God. Now, as Baptists, we, we simply shy away from talking about the Holy Spirit because charismatic stuff. But the Holy Spirit is in the Bible. Holy Ghost is in the Bible. Are you all here? And he does lead and he does help. He does guide you into all truth. It's a different spirit than the spirit of this world, which worketh in the children of disobedience, according to Ephesians chapter 2. It's a different spirit. It's a spirit of truth. The spirit of truth will guide you to truth. And so we need, as God's people, need to follow the spirit of God as the word of God and the spirit of God will always be in 100% agreement. Well, I just feel the Holy Spirit is letting me marry him. Well, he's lost. Well, I know, but I feel the Spirit of God leading me to marry him. <laughs> well, the Bible says, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. So you have a contrary, if you would, leading of the Word of God. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God will always be in agreement. He will not speak of himself. Always work with the revealed Word of God. Amen. How to get past your Jordan? Well, number one, it involves a command. It involves working through the challenge that God gives. What, follow the ark. Watch the ark. Sanctify yourself. Uh, set, uh, 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 honor God. This, la- this last part here involves sanctification. If you would, verse number five of our text, Joshua chapter three. Joshua three. How many are doing okay? All right, we're almost finished. All right. Joshua chapter number three, pick it up in verse number five. And Joshua said unto the people, watch this next word, sanctify. Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now, I don't know about you. I love to see God do wonders among us. I love to see that. I love to see the days when revival would break out. 
I love to see the days when people would wait at the door trying to get in because they wanted to hear the word of God. I love to see the days when the old sawdust trail, as Billy Sunday would, would preach, and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people walk the aisle and get saved. I would love to see the days of all-night prayer meetings. I would love to see the days of tw- 10, 12 weeks of nothing but preaching and singing the old-time gospel. But I, dare, I can dare say that one of the reasons that we do not see a marvelous work of God today is that we don't believe in sanctification. Sanctification simply means to make oneself clean. It's to separate. It's to set apart. To be holy. Now, when you got saved, if you're saved today, you are set apart. Amen? And that work of sanctification and setting you apart to become a child of a living God. And you'll never, ever Feel one flame of hell on your soul because of your salvation. Amen? Because of what Jesus Christ did for you 2,000 years ago, trusting in his salvation, trusting in his gospel, trusting in the fact that he was who he said he was, the Messiah. Never go to hell. But the work of sanctification or progressive sanctification is the setting apart and the setting apart and the setting apart and the setting apart and the working and closing and getting closer and closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. I've noticed the people that feel that they're farthest from Christ are the ones that are most likely closest. Because the closer you get, the more you realize how far you are. Sanctify yourselves. Set yourselves apart. Tomorrow is going to be a great day. You don't come to God uh, 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 clean. And here's the question to us this morning is, is everything in our life today as it should be? Can the Holy Spirit of God say, you know what, brother, you know what, sister or child, this is not right in your life. You should not be doing this. You should not be carrying out this. You should not be saying that. You should not be going there. You should not be taking that. Is there anything in your life that should not be there? And do you, if you would, have an agreement with God against yourself that you are not where you ought to be? And we cannot expect great things from God when we are endorsing unconfessed sin in our life. Cannot do it. Cannot do it. So this is referring to sanctification. And then verse 6 says, And Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went, I love this, before the people. Now, as God's people, could we just look at this and say, Lord, is there anything between me and you? I'm primarily speaking to God's people today. And we want Jordan's past. We want God to work in a great way. We want God to answer that prayer. We want God to show himself strong. But when he starts to illuminate sin in our heart and life, the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Not that he cannot. I'm not, I'm not listening to that. I will not hear you. So, how to get past your Jordan? You need to follow God. You need to be clean before God. You need to listen to his instructions carefully because in those instructions that involves, at some point, ladies and gentlemen, taking a step of faith. Somebody had to get up. 
The Levites had to get up that morning. The Ark of the Covenant had to be covered. Those staves needed to be put through the Ark uh, uh, Covenants on the sockets on both sides. They needed to bear the Ark on their shoulders. And they needed to look at the Jordan River that is one mile across. And they needed to start walking toward the Jordan River. It's impossible. They're not going to get across unless God does it. They know as they're walking into this thing that this has got to be a work of God. And they did not see what God was going to do until their feet touched that water. And that is faith. Thank you, brother. Which is the fourth point. There needs to be at some point a stepping out on faith. It's that one, if you would, decision that hinges everything in your future. That one decision that you're going to make that's going to determine the destiny, not only of your family, but maybe thousands of people that may come to know Christ because of your decision. It's that one decision. It's like Lynn and I were talking in the two-bedroom apartment in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Sold our house, bought another house. We had plans to buy another house moving forward, and God told me <laughs> to tell Lynn... <laughs> And he didn't say it in an audible voice. I said, Lynn, I think God's going to have us go start a church. That's hard. Where? I don't know. I don't know that. And we sat and prayed. We sat there and thought. We sat and tore our dreams up of the new house. We were moving up into Rio Rancho and getting things started. And moving there to putting everything in the back of a U-Haul truck. And moving the family across. I think we sang every... I, I flew uh, Lynn back here to Finley. And uh, I sat there with Jonathan. We couldn't afford to fly him. He was over two years old. So we sat we sang sing, uh, Sunday school songs for about the first four hours. And I knew no more songs to sing. By Tucumcari, New Mexico, I was done singing. Let's sing another song. I'm not singing any more songs. <laughs> Big, loud U-Haul truck just coming across the country with everything we owned. The start Cornerstone Baptist Church. We had, at some point, there had to be a step. I don't know if it's going to go. I don't know if, it's, if there's people going to be wanting to come and hear the word of God. I don't know that. But I have to follow what God is telling me to do. And I praise God. That when you follow his plan, it always works out well. Now, I say this, that God, in this phrase here, and I, I had to really ponder this, because in verse 13, the Bible says, And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest shall bear, that bear the ark of the Lord, the, the Lord of all, I like this phrase here, the Lord of all the earth. Let me just remind you who I am. I'm the Lord of all the, the earth. So just in case you forgot that, children, Israel, I am the God that created everything. I'm the Lord of all of this. I'm the, I'm the Lord of the water. I'm the Lord of the clouds. I'm the Lord of all the earth. And I'm going to do something for you. Watch what it says here. Shall rest in the waters of Jordan. Here's what God's saying. I'm going to step foot right in the middle of your obstacle. I'm going to rest in your Jordan. How about that? Where God, the God of all the earth, is not only before you, you're following him, you're honoring him, 
and you're, you're, if you would, sanctified, you're set apart, but you're stepping out on faith and you're believing that God is going to be able to perform what he promised he would do. He said, I'm, all, I'm already in your problem. I'm in the middle of your Jordan. Now, as I look at this, the Bible says that the waters in verse 13 of the Jordan were cut off from the waters that came down from above. And the phrase here is very intimidating to me. Because we have this idea that it's just kind of a little bit of a water. We have a mile across this thing. And it says here, and they shall stand up upon an heap. Now, if you think about this, the God of all the earth is able to stop the waters and they're going to start stand, standing up. So on one side, we have dry ground. On the other side, we have a mountain of water that keeps going higher and higher and higher. Now, you have the poor Levites in there in the middle of the Jordan River. I get this picture all the time. Hurry. Hurry. <laughs> now, where did, you, where did Junior go? Well, could you go for, I don't care what Junior is. Just get him gone. Let's get across. Because he's looking higher and higher. Now, I don't, know, I don't know if there's any truth to that. But if I were one of the Levites, I'd be looking at it. And as long as God is in this place, we're okay. As long as God's right here, I'm good. And as long as God is in your Jordan, you don't have to worry about it. COVID-19 and vaccines and economic crashes and, and all the stuff and geopolitical issues. Yes, we can really be, if you would, consumed with that. But can I just say this to all of us, including myself? God's got this. God's got this. These are the beginning of sorrows. Matthew 24 talks about it. Why are we surprised? Why do we say, oh, Bible prophecy is coming to, to light? I can't believe it. That's, it's coming. We're going home, folks. Praise God. So we need to get across the Jordan. It's going to, be, it's going to involve looking to God, following God, honoring God, sanctifying yourselves, and then stepping out on faith. And can we just say this? Because at this point, this is so easy to do. We can forget what God did. We can simply forget. They didn't. We get over this Jordan River before they get to Gilgal. They make a memorial to this, and I'm hurrying. It's all in the Bible. You can study it later. They make a memorial, and they begin to stack rocks, and he said, make sure you tell your kids what happened here. Never forget. I'm reading a book right now. just finished it. Uh, Almost finished it. I told the 9 o'clock hour I finished it, but I have about two chapters left, and I do apologize. I did not mean to mislead anyone. It just, it's one of those things where I just didn't completely complete the book. It's called The Last Hero of the Titanic. Very interesting story. Um, it's about a pastor that, um, un- uneducated pastor, grew up in a Christian home, never went into the world. At 18 years old, he surrenders to preach, but he doesn't know what to do. He just goes out and starts preaching on the middle of the street. People stop and listen to him. More and more crowds started listening to him. And he pastored a church in this hometown. They moved him to another church in London. That church grew to about 500. 
And now he's going on the Titanic to be invited to the Moody Bible Church to preach a week meetings. He was so excited. Some of his associates said, we don't believe that you should go. And he says, God wants me there. The night before, the iceberg and the Titanic collided and ripped a gaping hole down the side of the ship. He was seen on the deck of the ship with a the Bible, while everyone else is partying and the ballards and drinking up a storm, all the wealth of the world, so to speak. The big to-dos were on this unsinkable ship. He's out on the deck leading people to Jesus having prayer meetings. Pastor John, when it was given the order to lower the lifeboats, he took his only six-year-old daughter, being a widow for from six years ago, and placed her in the lifeboat, never to see her again. He had a life preserver on, and one of the men next to him was scared to death. He says, you're going to need this more than I am, and gave him the life preserver. It was told by the survivors, there was 12 people that were actually plucked from the icy waters about 55 minutes after the ship went under the water. He was told that Pastor John was swimming in hypothermia from one survivor to another survivor to another survivor, leading people to Jesus Christ. The last one that got saved was a man that rejected Jesus Christ already three times that evening as John continued pleading with him to get saved. On the third time, Brother Marvin, this man accepted Christ as Savior. And John, uncontrollable shivers as he went underwater in front of this man, this man in a life preserver grabbing onto a board and watched John's face disappear into those icy waters. He was the last convert from the last words of Pastor John. There was a reunion four years after that of all the survivors in Scotland, I believe. And that man got up and gave that testimony. And he said, I never want to forget how God saved me in those icy waters of the North Atlantic. And God took the sinking of a Titanic and a bold preacher of the gospel to get the message to me. His daughter, by the way, went on to marry a preacher, became a servant of God all of her life. I'm simply saying, ladies and gentlemen, we never, never should forget what God has done. God will bring you over it. There's going to be you watching God, following God, honoring God, stepping out on faith, and never forget what he's done.